Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, listeners. This episode of Luke's English Podcast is sponsored by italki, which is a very convenient service that you can use to develop your fluency in English by talking to native speakers online. To claim your italki voucher worth 100 credits, just go to teacherluke.co.uk forward slash talk or click an italki logo on my website. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello there. Welcome to another episode of Luke's English Podcast. This one is a conversation with my dad about recent news, including a Brexit update, uh, some comments about the US presidential election, um, also Obama's plans to send people to Mars and back not just they're not he's not just going to send them to Mars and then leave them there. He plans to bring them back as well. Uh, all those things and some other uh, bits and pieces as well coming up in this conversation. Uh, before we get started, I'd just like to give you a reminder about the um, Luke's English podcast anecdote competition. And I'm encouraging you all to listen to the anecdotes and vote for your favourites. Now, I know that this isn't for everyone, uh, but check out the anecdotes which have been sent to me and you might be pleasantly surprised. There are some really great little stories in there and a lot of people are really showing off their good English. Um, I'm very proud of everybody who got involved. Um, You can listen to all of the um, competition entries on my website, but you can also now listen to those competition entries on your phone like a podcast. Uh, There's an RSS feed for uh, the Luke's English Podcast anecdote competition. You can find the RSS feed link on the page for this episode. Um, I think also you can find it if you just search for Teacher Luke Admin. Teacher Luke Admin as one word. If you search for that in your podcast app, I don't know which podcasting app you're using, but search for Teacher Luke Admin, all one word, or just go to the page for this episode and copy the RSS feed link that you'll find. Copy that, paste it into the search function in your podcasting app, and you will find all of the episodes, and you can then subscribe to the Luke's English Podcast competition Uh, anecdotes feed like that. And that way, you can just sort of listen to the entries when you're out and about. You don't have to sit at your computer on my website listening to them all one by one. You can have it like a podcast. So you could like spend, you know, some time listening to all of those stories when you're out and about. And what you could do then is mark the stories that you like by favoriting them. You know, you can mark them as your favorites. Most podcasting apps allow you to add like a little star to the episodes that you like. So when you hear one that you like, you could give it a little star as a way of marking that you liked it. And that way you can remember which ones you liked and then you can go to the website and vote for them. Um, I'd like to say a massive thank you to all of the Lepsters in the comments section of my website recently, particularly all the amazing feedback that they've been writing in response to the competition entries. I'm really impressed by uh, the response that I've had. Um, Some Lepsters, particularly Olga, have written individual feedback for every single competition entry there. And generally, the response has been absolutely brilliant. So I urge you to get involved too if you haven't done so already. Just go to my website and just find the page for the competition entries and you can get involved in the conversation there. Generally, people have been uh, writing loads of comments. There's been lots and lots of conversation going on between listeners on the website. So jump in and get involved. There are some, there are some very friendly people there, including people sharing their Skype details and stuff like that. Uh, so get involved. Uh, there's uh, My listeners are generally really nice, friendly people who are just interested in practicing their English with like-minded individuals. So, you know, if that seems appealing to you, then get into the uh, comments section of the website and start talking to people. Um, 
One more thing about the competition entry. I know it's difficult to listen to all of those entries because there are so many, but you know, put them on your podcasting app uh, and check them out because you will see that there are some really entertaining stories in there. Um, just a couple of nights ago, I was eating out in a restaurant with some friends and um, I actually walked home from the restaurant. I walked all the way home and it took me about an hour. Uh, and I was just listening to the competition entries on the way home. I managed to get them onto my podcasting app. And uh, I was just listening to all the comp- competition entries. I was planning to take the metro to go home, but I decided to walk all the way because I wanted to keep listening. Um, so I'm really pleased that so many people have got involved and told their stories, even if it was difficult. And if you did send me a recording, give yourself a big pat on the back. Well done. Um, or if you have voted or left feedback, also give yourself a nice pat on the back. Well done, you. Um, Some of you, I know, are feeling a bit embarrassed because you don't like the sound of your own voices, which is totally normal. Whenever I listen back to myself on the podcast, I often cringe, thinking, oh, God, you know, listen to the way that I speak. You know, no one likes the sound of their own voice, and if you do like the sound of your own voice, then it's a bit weird, isn't it? So if you're feeling a bit uncomfortable listening to yourself, Uh, then don't worry, that's normal. And if you're comparing yourselves to um, other people in the competition that you think are better than you, then, well, never mind all that. Okay, never mind all that. Everyone did really, really well. So congratulations. The voting for the competition in round one ends on the 21st of October, so you have another week left. So let's now talk about this episode, which is called the Rick Thompson Report. Um, Yesterday, I spoke to my dad on FaceTime and asked him to give us a report on some recent news. And uh, we ended up talking about a few things, including a Brexit update, um, some stuff about Barack Obama's plans to send a manned mission to Mars, and also my dad's thoughts on the US presidential race between Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. I know that some of you have been quite keen to find out what my dad has to say on that particular subject after I talked about it uh, in the last two episodes of this podcast. So we're going to get my dad's usually quite balanced and well-informed opinions on that. Um, Now, because we're talking about politics in this episode, I'm sure that some of you will disagree with what you're going to hear, which is fine. But if you are planning on writing comments expressing your disagreement, then I just encourage you to try to articulate those thoughts properly, explaining your reasons and developing your points, rather than just writing some angry knee-jerk reaction in the comments section. That's if you disagree. If you agree with us, then great. And, And of course, you can write about that as well. Generally, I hope that you respond in some way to the things that uh, you're going to hear in this this competition, in this conversation. Um, You will hear us comment on some global events. And it's quite interesting to me how we all, in different parts of the world, we all seem to have different versions of those events, depending on which media outlet we are exposed to. For example, the narrative about global events uh, in the UK media is probably quite different to the narrative about those same events in the Russian media or the Chinese media, for example. Uh, We're all subject to media bias. But let's try to focus on the simple truths and facts at the heart of any story. That is easier said than done, of course. But I guess a starting point is to realise that things aren't always the way that they are portrayed in the media in any country. There's always a certain amount of bias. Um... Anyway, that's enough of an introduction. Now I'll let you listen to the Rick Thompson Report with Rick Thompson. This is the Rick Thompson Report with Rick Thompson. Right. Hello, Dad. How are you today? Hello, Luke. I'm absolutely fine. Thank you. How are you? Very well, thank you. Is it cold? Uh, yes, it's gone pretty chilly. It's uh, suddenly autumn and there's an easterly wind in this country. That means cold. Oh, okay. All right. Well, I hope you're keeping nice and warm. Yep, we're all right. Got the heating on now. Good, good. So that's the that's the sort of the weather done. Nor- yes, we ought to do we ought to do a podcast about the weather sometime. I have. I've done several oh, podcasts. Have you? Yeah. Oh, fine. Oh, I missed them. Been okay. there. Been there. Done that. Got the <laughs> got the t shirt. Right. Um, so, well, you know, obviously, I can revisit the the whole subject of the weather. There's plenty plenty to talk about. We've had some anticyclonic gloom in the last few days. You've had some what? Anticyclonic gloom. That's a pity. My, <laughs> no one's going to know what that is. <laughs> exactly. 
What is anticyclonic gloom? Oh, look, it, <laughs> you've done the weather already. Oh, I, didn't when, do, I didn't do anticyclonic gloom. Uh, it's, it's when uh, we have a period of high pressure over the British Isles. Normally that means sunshine, but in the autumn uh, and the wintertime, sometimes it means a, a, a veil of cloud, which makes it kind of grey. So with, there has been some sunshine, but in the last couple of days it's gone a bit grey. No wind, or hardly any wind. Just the high pressure sitting over the islands, but cloud screening in from the east. So it's that's called anticyclonic gloom because it's an anticyclone, which is normally bright weather, uh, but it's not. Okay, I still don't really understand what. <laughs> um, uh, one of the one of the sort of cliches or stereotypes about uh, our lovely country is that it rains all the time. Is it true? No, well, it certainly doesn't. No, 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 it certainly doesn't. It's just that uh, some people who live in countries like the United States or Australia, where the weather is incredibly predictable, find it uh, interesting when they come here to know you never know what's going to happen next. So um, we do, do get sort of bands of rain coming in off the Atlantic, uh, and it's, you know, sometimes showery, but a lot of the time it's beautiful. It's just unpredictable, really. That's the main thing. That's it. It's changeable. The, the, the cliche is just slightly wrong. It doesn't rain all the time. It's just it can rain at any time. It can. And the western side of the country does get a bit more rain than, say, you know, the east or London area because of the weather coming in off the Atlantic. So it hits the mountains in Wales or Northern Ireland or Scotland and they can dump quite a lot of rain. But these weather bands go through. Right. Okay, and then, then they, we send them over to, like, Norway and Sweden. And they... Yeah, yeah, that's right, we do. We send them on to Germany, actually. Is it Germany? Okay, yeah. all right. Yeah. So any any rain that they get, it's it's, it's uh, sent from the UK, I suppose. Sent with love. With love, okay. Mm. Okay. So, all right, that's the weather report done. Um, what about the uh, what about the political forecast, Dad? Yes, What's you going asked on? me about the politics here. I hope your listeners are, are interested in this uh, this weird and wonderful Brexit, as they call it. Well, I was gonna I was gonna say that because um, um, you say that in your modest way of like, oh, I hope, I'm sure the listeners aren't going to be interested in anything I've got to say, which is exactly what uh, James says as well. Whenever he's on the podcast, he's like, oh, they don't want to listen to me. He's like, well, actually, they do. And I've had uh, a few, quite a few comments from uh, listeners who uh, tell me that they enjoy hearing you on the podcast, um, uh, along with uh, friends of mine, uh, Amber and Paul, you and my brother James, who you know quite well, I imagine, considering you, yes. you were yes. partly responsible for creating it. Uh, <laughs> all of you are actually some of the favourite guests that I have on the podcast. So people, amazingly, they, they do enjoy listening to you. They seem to think that you know what you're talking about. Oh, well, that's just... Uh, mm, uh, you, it just means that your other guests must be particularly dull. They have to work extra hard, <laughs> Dad. They have to work extra, extra, extra hard. So last time, well, I think the last time you were on this podcast, you would, you did that evil game show. Uh, do you remember who wants to be good at English? Do you remember that? Yes. Yeah, that was the evil game show. But before that, um, you, you were on the podcast several times talking about uh, Brexit and all that stuff. So, um, what's the situation now? Then uh, has everything, everything's all right now? Right? It's all just blown over. Uh, no, it certainly hasn't. Uh, quite the opposite. It's all building up into a real mess. I mean, I have to declare to everybody straight away that um, I think us leaving the EU is a major, major mistake. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that it will be regretted. Um, Not so what we're, what we're seeing now is, is some kind of horrible confusion. And it hasn't actually, um, you know, we haven't actually got to the point where we're seriously negotiating uh, the terms of our departure, because that's not going to happen, according to the Prime Minister, until she says by the end of March. Uh, which could mean February or March. So, uh, when, so they, they have to trigger Article 50 Article of the Constitution of the EU, which is the bit that says a country can leave. Mm -hmm. uh, and the, the process is that you, you uh, declare that you're going to leave un, under Article 50, and then you have up to two years to negotiate the terms um, before you have to go, unless all the other member states agree to extend it, which they wouldn't. Um, it was written by a British... Uh, diplomat a little while ago, Article 50, and uh, basically he's already said nobody ever thought it would be needed. Right. The idea of somebody wanting to leave the EU never occurred to anybody. 
Okay, so it's it, the the point there is that it's a, a difficult article to actually sort of carry out. It's a difficult thing to do. It's just a technicality. It's just a technicality. But but the technicality means that, that there cannot be any substantive negotiations until it has been triggered. Right. Okay. And and as Theresa May has said, it's going to be triggered sort of by March. That's right. Okay. So you know, it, five or six months time, maybe. So there's a lot of messing about to be done before we actually get into substantive across the table negotiations. So you personally think it was a, a bad idea to to leave uh, the European Union. You think it was a mistake, but um, a, a large portion of the population seems to still think it's a good idea. I mean, is uh, do we know um, where things stand at the moment? Because the vote was fifty two percent leave, forty eight percent remain. Do, is it still pretty much the same ratio of how uh, people it, feel about it? I, I don't know. Um, I think the uh, there haven't been any significant opinion polls on it that i've seen um but uh, i think that uh, it's polarized the country it's, it's really split the country this referendum um yes uh, of those who voted uh to be technical 51.9 percent voted to leave mm-hmm. and uh 48.1 percent uh, voted to remain mm-hmm. but um about 30 percent uh, didn't vote either because they didn't understand it or they didn't know what to say. Yeah. Uh, so um, overall, uh, a minority have actually voted to leave when all the people who know what they're talking about, all the expert opinion or nearly all of it, yes, um, was in favour of remaining. Um, and it's a, it's been a it's kind of I think almost hysterical uh, campaign um, based on uh, total mistruths. Uh, which were not challenged sufficiently robustly by anybody. Um, and it was voted, we voted to leave with most people not really having any idea what it would mean and with no government plan um, on what we would do if they voted to leave. Yeah. So it's, uh, the government is divided on it. The Conservative Party is is divided on it. Theresa May has given those who led the we must leave campaign the job of making it happen right so the three leading people in her cabinet uh, foreign secretary and and you know there's a now minister for brexit mm-hmm. they were campaigning to leave and she's obviously said to them well you wanted it now you go and fix it but uh, they are um, unable to give any indication at all about the key issues why not well, first of all, there's no negotiation started yet, and it won't start for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but secondly, they seem to be completely um, fooling themselves about the fact that it will be um, a fairly easy thing to do. Yeah. Uh, a lot of this fueled by the popular press, because a lot of the popular press is anti-EU and nationalistic. Yeah, and they simply say, "Let's just leave." You know, we what are we messing about at? Let's just leave, yeah. which is basically the hard Brexit stance as opposed to the soft Brexit stance. So hard Brexit and soft Brexit. And hard Brexit is just like let's just tear ourselves out. But I mean, yeah. Yeah. It, these are nicknames. Uh, basically, uh, I think it means the two big issues, uh, hard Brexit stands for one of them and soft Brexit stands for the other. And those two big issues are controlling immigration mm-hmm. and staying in the single European market. Okay. Um, the hard Brexiteers say the cru- crucial thing is for us to be able to control our borders and not allow anybody from the EU to come in and out as they wish. Yeah. Because uh, they think that's why people voted to leave. They thought immigration was the key issue. And I yeah. think Theresa May has indicated she thinks that too. Yeah. On the other hand, if we uh, if we stay in the single market, um, then the damage economically would be much less if we don't stay in the single market um if we if there was no deal at all at all and we were just like another country under world trade organization rules you would immediately be subject to world trade organization tariffs on imported goods which in most cases is 10 percent mm-hmm. imagine everything coming in being suddenly 10 percent more expensive in everything we uh, imp- that's incredible everything we import would be subject to 10 percent 
Yes, okay. from the EU. From, from, okay, because most of our stuff is imported from the EU, isn't it? A lot of it is, yeah. yeah. Yeah, okay. So suddenly we'd be paying way more for all of our stuff than we were before. And our exports would become much less competitive because we would not be tariff-free again. Right. So in a, in a globalised world... Um, you know, free trade agreements are incredibly important, very complex. And we also um, we, we also have a, a number of companies that are already based in the UK and they provide lots of jobs to working people in the UK. And, you know, I'm talking about companies like Nissan, right? So this big car manufacturer who's got a big plant in, in the north of England. And uh, if it becomes um, sort of unfeasible or uncompetitive to continue manufacturing in the UK and selling to Europe, then Nissan will simply move their plants to somewhere within the European Union, won't they? And well, obviously that's a possibility. Now, I should say that the, um, the Brexit camp keeps saying that what, you know, what I've just been saying is simply scaremongering and it's negative and we should stop whinging and we should seize the day and uh, Britain can be great on its own and all that stuff. Yeah. They're just completely blind to the idea that um, a lot of companies that are based here might decide to move out. Yeah. Uh, we don't know, but I think it's quite possible. And the City of London, which is an incredibly important part of our economy, mm -hmm. uh, the big financial centre there, yeah. um, the people who know what they're talking about there are, are starting to make anxious noises about the various um, impacts of not having total access to the financial markets. Okay. Um, they call it passport to operate. It's just a technical thing. How, you know, you can sell insurance abroad. You can, you just play by the same rules as Frankfurt and everybody else yeah. without any penalties. And um, the pound has, has devalued itself since this vote by a record amount yeah. um, uh, against the dollar particularly. Um, so we're, we're, we've now devalued by, I think, is it 13% or something? It's gone down to the lowest level that it has been at since the mid-80s. Yes, and um, already the, you know, the impact is starting to be felt. It'll, it'll take a little bit of time. But, for example, uh, oil is priced in dollars and therefore um, our imported energy, our oil, is going to go up. Mm -hmm. um, the, it takes a little bit of time for that stuff to feed through, but already the petrol prices have gone up a little bit here, and they will continue to do it. And fuel, so um, fuel, fuel prices, energy prices for basically people's uh, fuel bills at home are going to go up. It's fuel bills at home, but it's also fuel bills for industry, and fuel bills traditionally feed through into inflation. Mm -hmm. So you know you might start seeing inflation going up, and we have um, so you know, you, we sorry. have some growth here, but it but wages have, in real terms yeah. have only gone up about two percent in the last year, and it wouldn't take much for inflation to overtake wage growth, and suddenly people would be extremely unhappy. Right, because suddenly you're not being paid as much as uh, as much as everything costs. Yeah, if, you're, getting, if, you're being actually worse off. Yes. So as fuel bills go up, as the you know the price of yeah fuel for industry and for people goes up, then the price of everything else kind of gets dragged up as well, right? That's what you yes, mean by that's inflation. Like, that's what I mean by inflation. Yeah, rising prices, and rising yet, prices, and yet the, the the wages or salaries that people are, are being paid are are not rising in in accordance with the inflation, and then you end up with a, a bit of a drastic situation. I yeah, so that's one danger. We you know everyone's got their own opinions, but it seems to me that it's already starting to happen, and we haven't even got into the proper negotiating rounds yet uh it's early days this is going to take two and a half years possibly okay um and then and the, the british treasury has, has issued a report which gives various scenarios about what might happen if we have what you might call a hard brexit mm -hmm. and um, their worst case scenario says it could lose up to 66 billion pounds a year that's not million that's billion oh 66,000 million pounds a year in tax revenue every year uh after they've speculated it could fall uh, as much as 9.5 percent after 15 years mm -hmm. if the eu uk leaves the eu single market and relies on world trade uh, rules uh, it's a big if 
Uh, obviously, nobody really knows, but they've done some calculations. But whatever happens, if we're not in the single market, all the experts agree it's going to be bad news. What's, so what, here is this dilemma. You know, mm. if you stay in the single market, you have to allow free movement of European Union citizens. And if people don't want that movement, you can't stay in the single market. So it's basically we either we let people in um, – you know, so we give up a certain amount of control over our borders and the immigration. So we kind of have less control in, or the same amount of control over immigration that we have now, or we uh, get out of the European single market. So either it's it's a basically immigration or the economy. The, uh, the you know the politicians and the prime minister deny that it's a straight choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they basically say we will we will negotiate. Uh, Europe uh, needs us as a market. Um, we there are all sorts of reasons why it's in Germany's benefit or France's interests yeah. uh, to be trading with us uh, properly. So we will get into a negotiation. And, um, you know, we, th- there may be a, some kind of special deals. Um, the, the, the interesting thing about that is that if you're starting to negotiate trade deals, yeah, um, it's incredibly complicated. And uh, we know that the government here doesn't have the expertise yet they're trying desperately to recruit people mm. to the 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 government uh, officials experts yeah so that they get ready for the negotiations when they start people who have got some experience in this because they haven't got any uh, in in trade uh, the european union members don't have independent individual trade negotiations it is all done at the european level right so 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 we we have to create a new trade negotiating department to cover everything can you imagine yeah uh, all the different sectors of goods and services where you have to unscramble agreements on whether you can do this that the other without paying a tariff it just seems like such a an, a waste of time and, and money and resources when you know we, we've got enough on our plates at the moment you know with the financial situation and struggling to to pay off our our budget deficit and all that stuff like why do we have to now get distracted by all of these things just because you know uh, a certain number of people feel like you know there are too many foreigners around well i think they've been misled uh, and uh, and voted to leave the eu without the faintest idea um what it actually means but um know, and yeah. i i blame the media i think that the newspapers have had these Horrible! They are keeping going. We're talking. People who know the British press, we're talking about the Daily Mail, and we talk about the Sun, talk mm-hmm. about the Express, the Telegraph, the right wing press, the right wing press, which is overwhelmingly um, read, and um, they, they simply uh, say, "Hurrah, hurrah!" We're leaving the EU. Who needs Brussels? We are now taking control. It's absolutely no reasoned argument about whether it's good for us or not what do they say to people like you who it seems to me are presenting like fairly obvious uh, arguments and and clear evidence that uh, this is going to be a disaster and it's already started what what do they say to the people who are like well look at the pound the pound's dropped and it's going to be difficult to do x y and z what do they say to people like you the, ed- the, ed- the editorials are really uh, quite insulting uh, they the the Daily Mail had a big front page uh, extract of its editorial this week, which I can't remember exactly the words, but it, it said, up, it? "It said, yeah, it was these 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 um, uh, kind of uh, whinging, um, negative uh, people uh, who come from a certain class, whatever that means. I think they mean they're educated." Um, is, uh, you know, basically we just need to get behind Britain now and make a success of it. Yeah. So the, so what the reply to all the anxiety, uh, and there's a lot of it about, is, oh, stop complaining. Let's get on with it. Uh, stop complaining uh, and you don't love your country enough. Well, they, you don't have enough confidence in your country. Right. I mean, that's it. You know, you're, you're saying that we can't succeed on our own. How dare you? And and the people who are showing that anxiety are some quite interesting people. The Confederation of British Industry, it's yeah. called the CBI, the Confederation of British Industry, has 
for years and years and years, been the voice of British industry. It is all the manufacturers, all the people who work in industry are in the CBI. It has always been a very powerful body, Mm -hmm. uh, very often seen as being the opposite of the trade union movement. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the, the workers and the CBI were often at diff, you know, different political directions. The CBI um, have uh, recently issued a, a, a strong warning saying that um, they think it would be pretty well disastrous if we have to uh, abandon the single market. Um, th- now, this is a, a an organization that should know what it's talking about. Mm. Um, so the, these warnings are uh, from people who are directly affected and are deeply concerned. Oh, dear, Dad. What a mess, eh? What a mess. Well, it is a mess. It's a political mess um, because, you know, the, um, uh, the the conservative, ruling conservative party is split on the issue. Yeah. The Labour Party is producing very, very poor uh, opposition and direction because it's got its own troubles. Yeah, uh, it has a very left-wing leader voted by the activists across the country who has lost the confidence of his members of parliament, and they're very unpopular at the moment and don't seem to have a united um, uh, position yeah. on uh, on Brexit. Apart from saying uh, it's a mess, we need parliamentary scrutiny. The next thing is, of course, that there's a legal I- issue that whether the referendum, which was not binding yeah. uh, under our constitutional rules, it was a, uh, it doesn't have to be followed. Advisory. Whether, whether the referendum um, is actually uh, the right mechanism for us to leave the EU, which should be done through a parliamentary vote. If Parliament votes for us to leave the EU, then we do. Um, and the only way we could legally allow the the law that sort of uh, separates us from the EU would be for the government to use some kind of uh, royal prerogative. It's the, you know, the Queen would agree with the government. Mm. This is entirely ceremonial and technical. It's a bit like uh, the Prime Minister having executive power, like the President of France or the President of the United States, which is separate powers from the Parliament. Well, these have never been tested, and lawyers are rather... Uh, suggesting that without a vote in Parliament, we couldn't leave the EU. And if there was a vote in Parliament, I think the majority of MPs would vote to remain. So we have a a legal mess. Then the other mess is that um, uh, Scotland voted very significantly to remain. Mm. And um, Nicola Sturgeon, the uh, uh, First Minister in Scotland and the leader of the Scottish National Party, has this very day said that she's uh, launching um, a new consultative bill to uh, reopen the idea of them becoming an independent country. So uh, uh, she is now saying a second referendum uh, on whether Scotland should leave the UK is inevitable because they don't want to leave the EU. So it it is a, a complete mess. Oh God! You know, um, I I I was thinking the other day that um, everything I, I everything I leave ends up falling apart. So <laughs> when I I used to well, right, I used our to, home is still here. Your home's Luke. fine. Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, it's not everything, but um, hear me out, right? So I used to work in HMV, the the music shop. I worked in HMV, and I left, and then a few years later, they went bankrupt. Oh, you think that's a direct result of you leaving yes. that they went past to <laughs> Yes, that's right. <laughs> Just because I wasn't there, they, they, the whole company fell apart. Then uh, I went to Japan and I worked at uh, Nova, um, oh, yes. that school in Japan. I worked there for several years and then I left and Nova went bankrupt. It and did, almost immediately. They folded. were so shocked by you leaving. Exactly. The direct, res- direct consequence of me leaving. And then, of course, I leave the UK and a few years later, the UK goes, goes pear-shaped. So clearly, I need to go back to make sure everything's. Yes, uh, please come back and rescue us. Yeah, it's obviously it's all about me, isn't it? Obviously, it's not. Of course, I'm just joking. Um, okay, well, just uh, just don't volunteer to be the first man on Mars, please. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, Obama has um, rather sort of historically announced that uh, America is going to go to Mars today. We are going to go to outer space, and. Uh, the Americans <laughs> yes. are going to go to Mars now. Within 15 years, and they will bring 
let's get a man on Mars and bring him safely back to Earth. It's a six-month journey in either direction. Oh my God, really? Uh, and um, just don't uh, send the, Matt. Just don't don't set, send Matt Damon. No, no, poor old Matt Damon. He might get marooned. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, do you think this is? It feels like this is just a political thing. He's just uh, building his legacy, isn't he? At this point? Oh, yes, I think so. Yes, I think so. I mean, um, the scientists have been looking at Mars for some time, obviously, interesting probes. And I, I think, yes, you know, he wants to leave his presidency with a flourish. And there are echoes of uh, John F. Kennedy. Right. Some of your listeners will be too young to remember, but uh, JFK used almost the same words, you know, that. Uh, Except with the moon instead of Mars. In the 60s, with the moon. Uh, you know, I can now say that we, we will. We will go to we'll, go to the moon. We'll go to the moon. My <laughs> man to the moon, and we will send him brave safely back home. And this was the start of the big space race because the Russians had got in a man into space first. They were in a hurry. Yuri Gagarin, and so the Americans uh, had to uh, uh, respond and spend huge amounts of money to get men on the moon right. um and very exciting it was too i remember watching it on the tv in 1969 oh yeah didn't didn't they play uh david bowie's space odyssey over the over the uh the footage i i'm sure that uh david bowie's space odyssey was used as as the background music to the moon landing there wasn't background music on the moon landing something something <laughs> when it was shown somewhere they used his song Anyway. Well, maybe they, when it was shown somewhere, they used his song. But yeah. the actual events, it was all that terrible, right. uh, poor audio static uh, coming back from the moon. That's right. Yes, for countdown for moon landing. Exactly. And uh, and the final words that, of course, they'd, they'd, they'd rehearsed and decided these are the words they were going to use, historic words. What are you going to say, Neil? Neil Armstrong, the first guy who stepped down the ladder. What are you going to say? And they have obviously worked it out, and it was one small step for a man, one giant leap for mankind. And he was unfortunate enough to have a great crackle of static at the middle of it. Right. Uh, I think they've managed to clean it up now for historical reasons, but at the time he said, one small step for a man, one... Yeah, and it goes, it goes, and it's, <laughs> and it's one small step for a man. And in fact, he was supposed to say it's one small step for a man. Oh, really? I and he said that. one small step for man. Oh, I suppose that's right. Which is it's the logical, same thing as it? mankind. So he messed yes, it up. Yes, yes. It's one yes, small well. step for man, one giant leap for man. <laughs> what was that? Sorry, what was that, Neil? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Anyway, we've got off on a tangent. Well, that's all right. Tangents are okay. It's all about tangents on, on this podcast. Uh, but um, before we go off to Mars, um, let's come back to Earth. And we were talking about Obama and stuff. Uh, Britain apparently is a bit of a mess. But what about the United States? I have talked about the uh, American presidential election that's going on. Uh, I've talked to a couple of American friends about it on the podcast recently. So I have covered this a little bit. Uh, but I wonder what you think. And I also... Um, well, what what do you think about the whole American election? Before I ask you something else about oh, it. Oh dear! I mean, the, the um, I, I'm not alone in thinking that uh, uh, half of the United States has taken collective leave of its senses. Um, but um, you know, it could be worse, couldn't it? We've got Theresa May. They they've got the possibility of Donald Trump, and probably going to get uh, Hillary Clinton. Um, the 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 idea that uh, Donald Trump could be a credible candidate to be the president of the United States is almost unbelievable. Uh, and I worked in news for a long time, and people used to say truth is stranger than fiction because the most amazing stories would pop up, and you couldn't make it up, and you'd never really believe it was going to happen. You know, all sorts of things, ranging from Princess Diana being killed in a car crash to all sorts of things. Mm. You know, they they just keep on happening. And some of the stories are particularly bizarre. This one, you know, it just beats them all. You you could not believe that Donald Trump was had a realistic chance of being the president. Imagine um imagine a little seminar and imagine a you know uh, an audience and a flip chart, the old fashioned flip chart, and you say, well, okay, okay, ladies and gentlemen, what are the qualities that we think uh, a good president of the United States needs? And we'll put you know, these qualities on one side of the paper, and then we'll say, and what are the qualities that, you know, would be extremely bad? And so you can list your own, you know, you can, you can go with... Um, experience. Uh, experience, uh, calm under pressure, 
Um, sense of public a duty. Good team player, uh, respectful um, uh, uh, style, um, uh, not uh, rash. Yeah, someone who's, um, someone who's careful and, and takes care over their decisions. Is very knowledgeable about international affairs, um, good on economics, uh, has a sense of public duty. Uh, you can list it as long as you like. Um, and then you look at Donald Trump. Yeah. I mean, it's absolutely fantastic. He, he, he is someone who has uh, got an anger management problem. He's a bully. Uh, he's probably uh, criminally assaulted women most of his life and doesn't care and well, boasts about well, it. Well, there, there, are, there are, you know, very recent reports, I think, today about some women who've come out suggesting that uh, they were, um, you know, sexually abused by Donald Trump at some point. So allegations are coming out. And it, um, yeah, well, yeah. they will keep on coming out because mm. obviously that's what it's like. And he mm. thinks that it's just, a, it's just, he calls it, you know, well, it's just, you know, what men do. He lives in a different world. I mean, he he's... Um, a, not only a, a bully, um, but he's a sexual predator. He's he's got this terrible combination. I mean, it's a deadly combination for a national leader of arrogance and ignorance. Mm. And um, uh, I mean, the idea that he could be the president is shocking. And talking about um, dragging the dignity of the presidency through the dirt, and it, I, I think that he's now. He can't win it now. Surely he can't win it now because senior Republicans are abandoning him in their droves. And the most senior Republican in the House of Representatives has made it clear, or is it the Senate? I think it's the Senate, mm. made it clear that they must now concentrate on winning seats in Congress right. and not worry about Donald Trump, which okay. is a way of saying he's lost it, but we must make sure we re we separate ourselves from him and, and win seats in, in the House. But um – so I told you that I'd spoken about uh, this subject to a couple of friends of mine and, we, you know, we tried to talk about it in a certain amount of balance. But, of course, we did talk, say many things about Trump. We did say many things about uh, uh, Clinton as well. I launched a poll on my website um, asking people who they thought should be the next president. OK, so it's a simple, you know, choice between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. Um, what do you think the result is from oh, my well, listeners who are from yeah. all over the world? Well, as it stands, it's 69% for Clinton and 31% for Trump. So it was 69. So but one yeah. third of your listeners probably think he's uh, uh, entertaining and they don't have to live with the consequences. Right. But unfortunately, it's not just the United States citizens who have to live with the consequences. Can you imagine what, uh, you know, uh, in the moment there's a, an international crisis, what Trump would be doing. Um, I mean, he, this is the man who, when he, he was faced with someone heckling him at a rally, said, you know, I want to punch you in the face and, you know, get that guy, do what you like to him, carry him out on a stretcher. Yeah. Um, now, is this the way we want the president to react when uh, something uh, he doesn't like happens internationally? This, this is the guy that says the Russians would never invade Ukraine. Well, they did. I mean, Crimea, Crimea was part of Ukraine. Careful, so Dad. Did. Careful what you're saying, because I've got a lot of Russians listening to this know, who, who will, I of know, course, but... disagree with you. Well, I mean, they can't deny the fact that Russia, Russia took over uh, Crimea. Now, they may say we are entirely justified and uh, we have historical reasons, but um, I think, you know, technically, it was part of Ukraine at the I'm, time. I'm sure that at this very moment, there are thousands of <laughs> Russian people getting triggered. They're itching now because they feel like, no, of course, we didn't, you know, they'll all have their arguments that they will have, you know, because they've got a different story over there, you know. The they've, point they've, is, they've, I know they've got a different story. And I know that, that um, you know, it, they, they think there's a lot, a lot of horrible Western propaganda. I, I try very hard to stay with simple facts and yeah. uh, not make too much judgment. And the reason I mentioned that was to say, that um, Trump thinks that Africa is a country. Um, he doesn't know anything about international affairs. Mm, okay. Um, I was going to say, so just to, based on a couple of comments I got res in response to my episode uh, about that, um, it seems that some of my listeners seem to think that Hillary Clinton is responsible for the kind of mess in the Middle East, that she she's somehow responsible for the rise of militant Islam and all that kind of thing, and that in terms of foreign policy, Trump would actually be a better choice. Because basically he doesn't really I, – I, they seem to think that he wouldn't intervene in, in global affairs in the way that Clinton has done. Um, 
What do you reckon about that? Oh, Can it's you be bothered very, to respond to that? No. <laughs> it's a very, very difficult subject about yeah. um, I- international intervention. And um, the it, the easy, simple thing to do is say, you know, stay out of it. It's got nothing to do with us. Stay out of it. And the Americans have caused trouble wherever they've gone. It's it's a quite widely held view, and and um, it's a it's quite an easy view to hold. Yeah. Um, but certain things happen in certain places where public opinion is so outraged, and they said we must do something about this. Like, for example, Colonel Gaddafi. Like, like uh, the, the worst years of Gaddafi, or 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 you you could um, look at the uh, oh, this is going to be this is going to be controversial again. Uh, yeah, yeah. Let's, well, let's let's say let's say the Balkan wars where mm. there were atrocities going on in various places, and um, whether or not your listeners there. Uh, can agree with me. I, I imagine well, many of them won't because uh, the Americans are pretty unpopular in certain parts there. Um, but there was international outrage at not just one country's um, what they were doing, but the whole bloody mess. And um, th- th- there was a, a lot of um, impetus behind we must stop this. Yeah. Um, and so the the idea of saying we must never intervene in anything is not as simple as that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a, and the other thing is, of course, is all this geopolitical stuff, which, um, you know, is, is a long, long term looking at the way the world goes. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, the trouble with the Middle East is it's always been a, a melting pot. It's always been a mess. I mean, it, it is, goes back forever. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you say if you lose your influence there, mm-hmm. um, someone else steps in and has their influence, whether it be Islamic State, who are, in my view, fanatics, oh, who yeah. murder people, uh, uh, left, right and centre, including women and children, and I just think they're fanatics. And um, And so do you say, oh, well, we mustn't intervene? Yeah, it's incredibly complicated, isn't it? Uh, it really is. But it kind of makes you think that um, what you want is someone who's at least sort of uh, had background experience of the region and isn't just someone, you know, you want someone who's got a rounded view or at least partially rounded view of, of the situation you know, there. Maybe somebody who understands more. Or cares even, or even cares. Or, yeah, or even cares. But I mean, you were asking me whether, you know, Hillary, you know, has got blood on her hands for being part of a government that um you know uh, intervened and did terrible things well i think it's a bit unfair on hillary clinton um though you know this was a, a collective um uh, stuff that went on i mean it was bush really uh, who kicked it all uh, off yes it was bush and uh, you know condoleezza rice and and various other people at the top there uh, and it was not you know um at the time uh, it was thought to be the right thing to do. Yeah. Um, I, I I think that uh, all this stuff about you know locker up is is Trump and his colleagues, um, you know, re- desperate to uh, to say that she's um, unsuitable. Um, and the stuff about her private email account, I think, has been blown out of all proportions as well. Um, I don't think she's she's uh, a warm candidate at all. I think she's rather false he's a bit like a puppet yeah um and i don't think people warm to her very much yeah um but one thing's for sure she's got a lot more experience than donald trump yeah yeah exactly okay look dad um i feel like what i've done is just thrown the most difficult questions in the world at you there well i can't uh, answer them really no no I mean, you, you you just say ask me my opinion i've given you yeah. my opinion and i know other people will have different views of course they will and you know that's normal that's okay people can have different views in fact one of the problems that we have these days is that people can't accept other views you know like uh, they just really can't handle it and it's part of it's part of the sort of social networking culture that we have which is that You're you people right. people build this world around them uh, where they only want um, you know to be affirmed they want all of their beliefs and views to be affirmed at all times and when they for example come across things that they disagree with then they block them out you know they if there are people on facebook who have 
you know, writing things they don't agree with, they'll block them or remove them until basically they're just left in this little cocoon where they just get things that, that, that don't challenge their worldview. But I think it's important to, you know, to, to be open to some disagreement and to have some discussion as long as it doesn't get, uh, as long as it doesn't get sort of personal and, and uh, damaging and stuff. It's okay to discuss these things and we should have dialogue about all of these, these matters. So I'm sure that people will want to write comments in the comment section of, of this episode that they, there, there may be opinions flying around. And if they do do that, then I, all I ask them to do is just, um, you know, articulate their ideas in a, in a clear way without getting emotional and without resorting to any personal attacks and things like that just if you've got something to say if you disagree then you know just just write about it we can discuss these things uh, like grown-ups i think but i'm very glad you said that because the the um there is a culture and i think social media has got something to do with it about people being outraged about everything and mm. offended by everything and firing off horrible uh you know tweets um and stuff to each other yeah instead of having what ought to be um a fact-based reasonable debate and it's also true that people tend to um not engage with uh with views that they don't necessarily hold um from the beginning it's like you know you read a, a very biased newspaper which reinforces your views um and in fact um you know, emphasizes them. Yeah. Uh, whereas you ought to be surprised. You ought to be able to see things uh, from another another angle and think about it. Yeah. Uh, but that all seems to be a bit too difficult. It, it's very important uh, on TV, by the way, that um, you you are exposed to a whole wide range of different kind of things and different kind of people and different kind of subjects, uh, so that you get a balanced view of the world. And um, it's one of the reasons why I think Fox TV in the States and everything else is, has uh, been behind the rise of Donald Trump, because uh, it's clearly not done that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But I, I'm also a bit concerned about the the internet. And the, because ultimately, all the content that we consume on the internet has been targeted and directed at us individually. And so we all have our own little individual versions of the internet. We all have our own little realities that have been created by the marketing campaigns that feed off off the the habits that we that we have. You know, um, so we're not all consuming the same media. So this kind of division between people is not just sort of along these broad ideological lines of like pro Europe and anti Europe, but also individually we're all sort of you know, being put into boxes by market, online marketing companies and things like that. Although, although saying that, Dad, um, I also think that some of the, the, the kind of targeted marketing, as I've said on the podcast before, doesn't really work. Because, I mean, uh, the example I always use is that I bought a pair of shoes on Amazon and they arrived and I, I was wearing them. And then for three or four weeks afterwards, all of the Google advertising was advertising the shoes that I was wearing to me. <laughs> it's like, don't you get it? You know, I'm wearing the damn shoes. So it doesn't all work. But it's, you know, it's just weird the way that the media has changed and the, and the way that uh, the internet plays a part in sort of building people's uh, worldview. Um, yeah, I hope that people continue to sort of explore and be curious and, and want their their belief systems to be to be challenged. Uh, I think it's important. I guess that that your your listeners are outward looking and probably educated and they're probably curious. So they're they're probably um not the people we're talking about. Um you know, I'm worried that there seem to be so many people that find um find it too difficult to think about international affairs, I, oh, it's, it's all depressing. I don't want to think about it. Mm. And uh, and if they if you ask them what kind of news would you like, they'll say, oh, I, I like celebrity gossip and I like the environment and uh, I like news about football and um, I like news about food and um, that's about it. And so um, it you know that means you're just not engaged in the slightest about the really important things. Yeah. All right. Um, well, thanks anyway, Dad, for sort of answering all of those extremely difficult and controversial questions. Um, uh, that's very nice of you to do that. Do you have anything to say to, to the people of uh, the world? Because they're all listening to this. All, Hello, everyone. people of the world. I doubt it. Um, no, I, I just hope people, people will um, read 
things that are longer than one sentence and will think about issues which are uh, quite difficult to come to terms with. It is a slightly turbulent time in the world. Um, I, I think one can get a bit uh, depressed about it when you look at what's going on in Syria and and uh, other, other things that are going on. Mm. Um, but uh, it could be worse, um, and it has been in the past. Yeah. Uh, I just hope, hope people will um, uh, think carefully about what's going on and use their democratic rights to vote in the right people. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Okay. All right. So I suppose you're going to go and uh, do some work now. And, and Well, uh, I've got to start packing because we're going to have a little holiday by the seaside oh, going that's tomorrow. Right. That's right. You're going down to the yeah. south south coast. Going down to the south coast, yeah. Very nice. Well, fingers crossed for good weather. Let's go. Well, I don't think it'll be all that good, but it, I live right in the middle of England where, you know, you can't get any further away from the sea than we are here. And so every now and then you have a craving to see the sea and have a bit of sea air. So that's what we're going to do. What, um, have you seen the weather forecast for the next week? Uh, but a bit of rain, Sunday, Monday. Um, not too bad cloudy some sun some rain typically britain okay all right well enjoy the fresh air and in the seaside and stuff like that and thanks very much for being on the podcast again My okay li- it's a pleasure luke they, they do like they do enjoy listening to you dad they do believe <laughs> well, it or not. Yeah, you keep saying that i um, we'll see it's modesty that's just typical typical modesty no all right then well um i'll speak to you again soon okay okay and uh, good luck to you and uh, give my regards to paris i will do All right, then. This is the Rick Thompson Report with Rick Thompson. So that was our conversation. I hope you found it interesting. As I said before, I look forward to reading your comments, if you have any, and I hope that you write them in a kind of thoughtful manner. Uh, Don't forget to listen and vote in round one of the anecdote competition. Um, one, One other thing about China here. I got a message from a Chinese listener about why I don't get many comments from Chinese listeners on my website. Apparently, it's because so many web services are blocked in China. That includes things like Facebook and all sorts of other um, websites are actually blocked in China, including Discus. Uh, Discus is my comment system. Uh, And uh, so... Apparently, my website is visible in China, but the Discus comment plugin doesn't work for Chinese listeners. So the Chinese listeners can listen to the podcast, but they can't comment on the website unless they're using like proxy servers or something like that. So it seems that I've got like this large silent uh, audience in China. So China, I just wanted to say hello. And I wonder what you're thinking. Um, I'm assuming that you like the podcast because you are my number one country. But anyway, Hello, China. And indeed, hello, everyone else as well. Thank you very much for listening to my podcast and supporting this whole thing. Um, I've had loads of messages recently. You know, my phone has been going crazy lately with not just comments on the website, but emails from my listeners. And if you've sent me a message recently saying how much you enjoy the podcast, um, then, you know, I just really appreciate it. You should know that I read all the messages. Whenever a message comes in from a listener, I'm really keen to read it and I read through it all. Um, I can't reply to them all. I reply to some, some others I can't. Often when I get these messages, I'm sort of walking to the station or I'm leaving work or I'm just about to go into an English class or something like that. So I'm not always able to respond to them all. And in fact, you know, I would to respond to all the messages, I'd need to like take some devoted time to do it. I'd need to sit down and spend an hour kind of going through all the messages and responding to them all. So don't feel sort of hurt or or um I hope you don't feel kind of rejected or something if I haven't responded to you. Um just take it from me that I appreciate your messages and it's always sort of really interesting to to hear from you, okay? Because I spend my time uh, recording these episodes sitting basically on my own with just a microphone and a computer talking into the, you know, I just talk into the microphone. I've got no idea really what the response of, of, of you is, what your responses are, you know? When you've got a normal person, a normal person, when you have a person in front of you and you're talking, you know moment by moment how it's going. You know, you can, you can see their responses. They can uh, speak to you and you see the body language and stuff like that. Um, so there's that instant feedback. But when I'm just talking into a microphone, I don't know what people think of what I'm saying. Um, 
so it's you know it's very helpful and also very encouraging to read your res- your responses so thank you if you've sent me a message and extra special thanks to anyone who's donated to the podcast um your donations are like the most sincere way that you can say thank you. So if you sent me a donation, then I I really appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. Um, also, if you've you know if you've basically checked out my sponsors as well, that also helps because um, the sponsors are basically supporting the podcast and allowing me to do it. Um, and uh, it, you know that's why the, this still exists basically. Um, so you know thank you if you supported the podcast in any way. And thank you very much for listening to this episode. I will speak to you again soon on the podcast. Uh, I look forward to reading your comments. But for now, it's time to say goodbye. Bye, 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 bye. Thanks for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar, and pronunciation teaching from me, and the usual moments of humor and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.